Welcome everyone to a very special episode today of the Car Right Rising podcast. My name's James Downs and I'm a senior fellow at Car and I'm also head of the Populism Research Unit at Car. Today we have a very special guest on our episode and this episode is hosted by the Populism Research Unit at Car. Beatrice Buarque is a PhD candidate at the University of Manchester who is investigating the legitimization of alt-right conspiracy theories such as white genocide, great replacement, cultural Marxism, alongside a deep state in digital spaces. Her project proposes a novel way of exploring digital political phenomenon, engaging with different areas of expertise in a transdisciplinary way. Her main research areas are political communication, alternative rights, and conspiracy theories. Beatrice is also the leading investigator of the independent research group MAFTI, Mapping the Far-Right Truth Industry, and founder of the award-winner NGO World's Heal the World, which empowers young people to challenge hate speech and develop strategies to tackle extremism. Beatrice, what exactly is the alt-right? How can we define the alt-right and where does this term come from? Okay, so the birth of the alt-right is controversial. In a gathering in 2008, an intellectual used the term alternative right to refer to an independent intellectual right that was emerging to challenge multiculturalism and immigration. And although this intellectual denies any association with the alt-right, his ideas inspired a young white man named Richard Spencer to set up the website Alternative Right to promote white nationalist ideas. The name itself started circulating mainstream circles during 2016 elections in the States, especially after Trump's advisor, Steve Bannon, announced that Breitbart News was the platform of the outright. I gave you a bit of context, James, because it is important to know the roots of the outright. Despite Spencer's attempts to be perceived as the leader of the alternative rights, this phenomenon is much different from everything we have seen before. And not coincidentally, it has been called a creature of the internet. The alternative right is heterogeneous, amorphous, decentralized. Difficulties in understanding this phenomena are reflected on the various proposed definitions, and I was very intrigued by that. I came up with my own definition for the alt-right, which is the alt-right is a set of digital communities of individuals who are united by discourses that communicate the common paranoid belief that white Western identity is under threat, being attacked by pro-multicultural liberal elites and so-called social justice warriors. I know that this definition is very long, but I thought this definition useful because it highlights three key features of the alt-right that have been sometimes overlooked in the literature. So the first feature is the solidarity between white and Western individuals. So this is not a localized phenomenon. It's not restricted to the to white people or even to the American landscape. Uh, they unite the unity derived from shared discourse. So that is this. The, the alternative right is not something that. Uh, has a center of command or that has a unified political doctrine. No, it is shared discourse that gives shape to it and is essentially paranoid in nature. So 
I know that when we use the term paranoid, some people may say, oh, but this is clinical. When you say that they are like, they have mental health problems and mental issues. And all. No, it's not. I'm not using the term paranoid here in this sense. I'm using the, the term paranoid here to say that all people who engage with these uh, narratives, they, they display this um, this feeling that that strong is exaggerated persecution. They think that they are that they are really like uh, the victims of society. They display this this exaggeration. So that's what I what I mean when I use the term paranoid. So in a nutshell, that is the alt-right. Thank you, Beatrice. That's that's really interesting, kind of hearing about your perspectives for the alt-right and also just now in outlining, you know, this really original definition that you spoke about. So this, the second question that I'm leading into for our listeners listening back home is about the fact that the alternative right has already been studied from the ideological perspective and also as a social movement. Your framework appears to be different from that. Could you tell us more about what your concept of the alt-right uh, multitude is exactly? Yes, sure, James. So in order to answer your question, uh, I need to give you a bit of context about my research. So I am particularly interested in examining how and why outright conspiracy theories have been legitimized in digital space. And at the very beginning of my PhD, I faced an important challenge. How could I explain legitimation if the outright lacks a center of command and a charismatic leader, um, it doesn't. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have like a source, a unified source of information, and in spreading that. So no. Uh, nevertheless, on the internet, I kept finding many individuals consuming and reproducing conspiracy theories such as the white genocide and Great Replacement as truth suggesting that, yes, there was a legitimate, there is a legitimation process in place, regardless of the presence of the absence of a, a charismatic leader or a unified source of information. So in order to investigate the legitimation of outright conspiracy theories, I saw myself literally forced to pursue a different way of understanding this phenomenon. And that is how I found the concept of the multitude useful. So the multitude is different from the plebs and the masses because it was originally conceptualized as a living flesh capable of ruling itself. A monster that emerges based on what is shared in common by multiple people. So it's not that it has any unity, or any homogeneity, no, it, it's, it's something uh, really like amorphous and capable of ruling itself. Examining the outright as a multitude enabled me to shift my attention from observing it as a more or less concise social being to focus on the elements that seem to have given shape to it. That is, common shared conspiracy theories rooted in the same belief that white Western identity is under threat. In a paper that will come out next year, James, I describe all the characteristics of the outright multitude, but here I will limit myself to point out two. First, the outright is not only made by multiple individuals, but also multiple peoples. It embraces different antagonisms that are all rooted in the same fear 
that white Western identity is under threat. Who are these peoples that can be found in outright circles? So that is the people comprised of white Western individuals who questioned the perceived privileges of non-white, non-Western individuals. That is the people formed by non-Jewish white Western individuals who questioned the perceived privileges of Jewish people. And that is also the people that is basically formed by white, white Western men who question the perceived privileges of women. And when I'm talking, when I'm talking here about these different peoples that can be found within outright circles, we need to bear in mind that there is no like limited borders between those peoples. It, this is something that is under constant negotiation. And all these individuals collaboratively produce the belief that white Western identity is under threat. And this belief is conveyed attached to a number of meanings, which leads to the second characteristic of the outright. To me, the outright multitude is made of thinkers. And by thinkers, I mean individuals who use their mental faculties to come up with explanations for the perceived threat to the white Western identity. And it is precisely this source of knowledge produced and shared by them that to me seems to have given shape to the outright multitude. The conspiracy theories, they can be interpreted as this effort to make sense of this threat, of this perceived threat. And if we look at the motivations that drive individuals to engage with the white genocide and great replacement narratives, for example, we discover that many of them reproduce conspiracy theories as a means to explain their perceived feelings of dispossession and displacement. So their explanations may sound crazy for you, for to me, but within their circles, they make perfect sense. The pursuit of the explanations for their, for their perception that white Western race is under threat seems to motivate individuals to engage in collaborative authorship, embarking on a sort of mission to discover the truth and also educate of the, of the people. So that's why, for example, some of scholars say that the red pill is the ideology of the right, is the key concept of the Okay, but what is behind the red pill? The red pill. Uh, is constructed around this mystique of the truth. There is this, this thing that, that prompts individuals to pursue the truth and to disseminate that they feel like especially empowered. And that is the thing that I'm, that I'm, that I'm really uh, interested in examining. So I know that this claim is controversial because many scholars, they tend to emphasize the anti-intellectual side of contemporary far-right. However, I'd like to draw attention to another phenomenon that is currently happening. So at the same time that the alt-right doesn't accept the narratives produced by the establishment, that is the official institutions, digital media encourages individuals to constitute their own identities. And when it comes to knowledge and news, anyone can today present themselves as authoritative actors, a thinker who is speaking truth to power. Not only we are witnessing the emergency of new, um, of new intellectuals, not only we are, we are witnessing this, and I'm going to cover this in my next piece to Carr, 
We are also living in a way in an age in which the simple act of sharing a post or writing a comment can be interpreted as a contribution made by a thinker, an individual who is using his mental faculties to make sense of events that cause them anxiety and fear. So the outright multitude is basically this amorphous living flesh formed by the shared common belief that white Western identity is under threat, which is transmitted through different conspiracy theories, such as the white genocide and the great replacement, for example. Thank you, Beatrice. That's really insightful to learn more about the the alt-right multitude, and, and particularly you're mentioning about again your your own definition of the multitude. So I learned a lot, a lot of new information there. So my next question is kind of leading into a question about conspiracy theories that you just touched upon at the beginning of the second question. And so another concept developed by you in your research is that the alt-right has triggered conspiratorial regimes of truth. What exactly does that mean? I am particularly interested in one type of conspiracy theories. Those ones originally produced as truth under the form of knowledge and news. So my main argument is that novel ways of claiming authority, like today anyone can use uh, editing techniques or can use uh, uh, the credential of researcher, for example, to set up a YouTube channel and start conveying conspiracy theories as truth. But in addition to these new novel ways of claiming authority, we also have regimes of visibility contributing to further legitimize these narratives. And my main argument is that these two things, the novel ways of claiming authority and regimes of visibility, have enabled amorphous and decentralized phenomena such as the outright to trigger its own regimes of truth. So in the past, we use it to, to really uh, attach this concept of regimes of truth to institutions. So the state was responsible for producing the truths, academia, and now we live in a situation in which this authority has somehow been eroded. Some scholars even speak of uh, um, a crisis of political legitimacy. And we are, at the same time that we have the legitimacy of these institutions on their quest, we also have like collaboration made by individuals in an autonomous and also independent way, triggering parallel regimes of truth. So in the case of the alt-right, I talk about conspiratorial regimes of truth because its truths are essentially conspiratorial. So what are their truths? That the white race is on decline, that white and Western individuals have been replaced with non-white and non-Western individuals, that multiculturalism has been promoted by Marxists who are infiltrated at universities, cultural Marxism, and also by a secret society that supposedly holds the power of Western government, especially the United States. So all these narratives, they have been constructed as truth and they have been disseminated by individuals across different platforms as truth. So I'm very, very intrigued by this because conspiracy theories themselves, they are very appealing because they offer this explanation that makes sense. That, that is the thing. They, they offer, the, they satisfied our needs for an explanation. 
And when they are conveyed as truth, they are even more compelling because it's not somebody, an ordinary person, who is telling you that the white race uh, is on decline. No, it is an intellectual or it is a documentary with doses of intellectuals. And it's very appealing because it is as if the truth was the holy grail, you know, and is available there. And now each of us can pursue the truth in our independent way. So in my research, I'm using a video. Uh, I'm using videos available on YouTube and BitChute as objects of investigation. Um, I, I, I use them as a starting point to check how conspiracy, the conspiracy theory was performed, was constructed as truth. And then I also examined how it circulates across different platforms. So I'm checking how individuals are reproducing and sharing this video on Facebook, Reddit, forums, and websites. Um, so that is the concept of uh, conspiratorial regimes of truth. I think this is a very uh, overlooked topic when it comes to the alt-right James. And sometimes even when I talk about my research, I, see, I feel like a bit, <laughs> I really don't see people talking about this. And I think this is so important because this content is not available on the internet. We have like intellectuals producing books, organizing conference. I have videos that are conference for a large audience and producing these conspiracies as truth. And if we think, for example, in the Nazi regime, the Nazi regime invested in centers of research to legitimize antagonism towards Jew, towards Jewish, the Jewish community. And it was a centralized uh, action. Now we don't have like a state producing these conspiracies as truth. No, now we have millions of people collaboratively producing this. And what is even more worrisome that sometimes uh, a, a person, for example, can believe uh, in the deep state and not agree with the white genocide, but they, these conspiracies, they overlap. These things, these courses are very fluid and they, they, they may inevitably contribute to disseminate these, these narratives. So. Thank you, Beatrice. I think for our listeners who, who will be listening back home, you know, we can really see the wide-ranging you know, threat that the, the modern alt-right or the, the contemporary alt-right really pose from what Beatrice was just saying in, in that third question. And the final question then is a question kind of digging a little bit deeper into conspiracy theories and also about your research, Beatrice. And so what conspiracy theories are you examining right now? And could you share one or two main findings with us? Yeah, so basically I am examining four conspiracy theories white genocide, great replacement, cultural Marxism, and deep state. The white genocide narrative and the great replacement is very evident that they communicate this fear that white Western race is under threat. Cultural Marxism can be more subtle, but it's only, uh, it's only a feeling <laughs> because it is there. Um, we have uh, many like intellectuals communicating this idea that uh, uh, Marxists are, are controlling the universities and they have promoted this political correctness. 
and that poses a threat to our uh, to our history. Some intellectuals, for example, that is a female intellectual in a conference, this is part of my research, that she says that these social justice warriors have been erasing our history because they want to rewrite history through another lens, uh, as if white people uh, were problematic. And the deep state also overlaps with these narratives because, for instance, there is a documentary, a very long documentary about the deep state, in which they say that there is this group of people who is infiltrated in all levels of the Western government, especially in the US, and their foreign policies contribute to mass immigration, which inevitably pose a threat to themselves. So it is like a cascade uh, effect that they construct as something that was orchestrated. So the outcome, the mass immigration, is interesting for them. I'm just finishing a paper with some of the findings, and I will share one of them with you. So while looking for authoritative performance of the Great Replacement on YouTube, for example, I found a documentary that starts with an intellectual explaining the supposed theory that Western individuals are being replaced. This intellectual has published dozens of books. The documentary promotes its books, and some of them are even available on Amazon. Let's not forget that the Great Replacement was used as a justification for some of the most deadliest terrorist attacks in recent years. So this is just an observation. So the video was uploaded on YouTube in 2020, and I checked yesterday. It is still available on YouTube, now with over 72,000 views and over 6,000 likes. The likes themselves indicate an approval of the content. And among the comments, a number of individuals explicitly express belief in the supposed veracity of the conspiracy theory. Some, some individuals even express gratitude for having become aware of, of this problem. In terms of reproduction, in March this year, I conducted a search on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Yahoo, Bing, and Google, and I found 459 posts reproducing this conspiracy theory as truth. When looking at all the visible posts, none of them was explicitly trying to debunk the conspiracy. Conversely, many of them were reproducing the conspiracy as truth. Tweets were made by individuals located in many countries, including the US, Canada, England, France, Iceland, and Slovenia. These are only some of the countries. I found more. All the six websites reproducing the conspiracy as truth were found via Google, highlighting the importance of also examining how authoritarian and discriminatory ideas, such as the ones we find in the alt-right, can be easily assessed through search engines. And overall, if we solely take into account the potential outreach of this video on Twitter and Facebook, the great replacement as truth could reach over 287,000 people. And this is still available and can be widely assessed. Two of the websites presented themselves as. And 
I think that this finding really indicates that more needs to be done in terms of examining how these narratives circulate, James, because my feeling is that we have a considerable amount of work focused on Twitter, on Reddit, now Instagram. But these narratives, they don't keep limited to only one platform. They circulate. And I, I think that more like holistic uh, approaches, they may be beneficial to our field. Thank you for sharing, Beatrice, about that. And again, that speaks a lot about the, the implications there and also you know, potentially this, this growing threat of the alt-right if we also think about it from a policy perspective for the future in terms of, of governments and, and, and what other um, governments can kind of do here. So Beatrice, um, my final question, it's not really, it's not, not a question at all, but it's about where can our Right Rising podcast listeners learn more about your important and insightful research? Do you have a Twitter account, for example, where listeners can follow your latest research writings and, and also your publications? Yes, sure. So anyone interested in my research can assess my website. Everything is there. So it's www.beatrice.com. Thank you, Beatrice. Thank you very much for coming on today to Write Rising. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Mm-hmm.